Ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your couch show to go. Uh, some of you are probably either having trouble sleeping, a little too antsy, big game tomorrow. So just come on in and talk with us a little bit. Come on in and get into the chat and hang out with us a little. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, drinking a little uh, Vienna Lager tonight. Uh, it's really good. I actually have to say. With the uh, spotted cow here tonight, as always. So the nectar of the gods. Um, uh, Anthony's in the chat, as always. First time getting two podcasts in one week. Well, we have lives, Anthony. That's why we don't do multiple podcasts in one week, except yeah. Richard and and. And, and Anthony Richard getting up at five thirty in the morning to do a, a first leg Champions League preview with Anthony, which was really good. Yeah, um, and uh, I, as I said on Twitter, appreciate you not getting me up at oh four or four thirty <laughs> in the morning my time. It would have been my worst effort by far uh, yeah, in a podcast. Yeah. So, um, so, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a lot of fun actually talking to Anthony. I hadn't been I hadn't talked to him in a while. Well, we were on his podcast not too long ago, but yeah, uh, long ago. Anthony from Inter Worldwide and a Football Worldwide. Uh, we had a great conversation about uh, the Derby and you know went in depth about it and made our predictions. But uh, yeah, always fun to talk to him. And also shout out to Gianni from the Couch Show guys helping us last yes, week. Thank you, Gianni. In your absence. So uh, yeah, you missed the last two podcasts, Frank. It's been a while. <clears throat> I know it has, it has, and uh, I don't know if I'll be. I get I get work travel next week, so I don't know if I may be able to do next week. So we'll see. We 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 uh, we we don't know when we'll be on the air next week. Uh, a couple of things. Richard chipped a. Do you chip a tooth? Is that what happened? Broke a tooth. I broke talk? a tooth. I broke a tooth. Now, how'd you do this? I don't know actually. I actually don't. I. I, I how do you not like, know? That's kind of something that I would remember if it happened to me. You would think. You would think. But I was like, something feels odd in my mouth. I looked. I'm like that tooth is broken in half. Like you clearly separated. I'm like, oh. Did God, you bite so. down on something, or did you? I was eating a soft rice crispy treat at the time, so I don't know how that would have happened there. But who knows? Those things can get. Those things can get a little bit rigid. Yeah. Uh, so I, guess, I, yeah. I, I. I can see it. I can see it. I don't know. So. Ah, oh, we got uh, the announcer saying at the beginning of the introduction, Richard, that the, for the first time in 11 years, Milan are champions of Italy. We're going to have uh, next year when we do the sound for the first time in 33 years, Napoli yes. are champions of Italy. So we'll break. We'll talk about them. Congratulations. Uh, we've got many Napoli friends uh, who have been guests on this podcast, listen to the podcast. Um, excellent. Uh, uh, people to be around and uh, very, very well deserving um, uh, for them to, uh, to to appreciate something. <clears throat> and then uh, very, very well deserving for Napoli. So we get into that. Um, was there some separation with the top four? We'll talk about the games that were involved that over the weekend that impacted that. Uh, was there separation with relegation? Uh, we'll talk about the games that impacted that. And then there were some other games that we'll give some attention to, but not as much as the games that are pretty critical at this juncture. So um, 
So we will uh, break all that down for you. We've got a big preview of uh, the all of the European games. We're going to do it all encompassing on this podcast. You got the Milan Inter preview between with Richard and Anthony. You'll have my two cents on that game. We'll give Richard a chance to see if he wants to change his mind on his prediction. Um, you know, uh, now that he's had a few days to digest it and think about it. So uh, we'll give him that opportunity. Uh, and then, as always, we end with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Culture Twitter. So let's work back, Richard. Uh-huh. Napoli. Napoli, champions of Italy. Um, They are, uh, you know what, and you've got teams in European competitions with great chances to possibly lift some European silverware this season. You know, Inter Fiorentina is going to win the Coppa Italia. That's all well and good. They're all wonderful stories. But, I mean, let's let's not sugarcoat this. Napoli was the signature team uh, of, of... of Italy for the 2022-23 season. Yeah, and arguably Europe. Um, I say it's about damn time, and it's not just because we've been we knew this is going to happen for most of the season, right? It's just a matter of time where it's, um, statistically they finally clinched it, which happened, you know, this past ma- uh, match week. Um, so congratulations to them. Also, 33 years since the last title, right? 1990 right. since the last title. Um, so congratulations to them. You know, they are the signature team in, in Serie A this season, arguably one of the te- best teams in Europe. Certainly from an entertainment standpoint, this Napoli team is just such a joy to watch. But what Spalletti, who deserves immense credit, and by, for me, hands down manager of the year, mm-hmm. um, what he's done with his team, taking a bunch of guys who, I mean, Havrashelia, one of the signings of ever, maybe, right? With the yep. performance he did, Osim and what he did. Minjai Kim, right, coming out of nowhere and kind of filling the boots of Koulibaly, maybe you know, supplanting him, who knows. Uh, but this team has did such a fantastic job uh, from from back to front. Um, Moret, what a fantastic job this season. And the, the fact that it's – what they did was I, – I say it's historic because it's hard to do what they did. They almost look flawless from start to finish. There's a couple, couple game stretch where they look human, right? But for yeah. the most part, they were consistent and they kept getting the job done every week, week and out. It wasn't always a, a, a goal fest, but they got it done every time. And that's what matters in this is you get, in the, get the results. The players showed up. Um, and, you know, one of the guys we, th- we said it was a, a key cog for this team the entire season, Lobotka, what a fantastic season he's had himself. He was a, a monster in that midfield for them. And he is not getting enough credit that the, he, he deserves all, more credit than he's been getting lately. So, yeah. The highest scoring team in Syria and the team that has conceded the least goals in Syria all in one package. I mean, they did everything well and they did it. Um, they did it over the course of, of, I mean, in 34 games right now, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, 17 points clear uh, right now. They absolutely walked this league. Everything worked and everything worked from match day one when they went to Hellas Verona and won five to two. Um, I mean, I think that that was <laughs> those were the shots fired from Napoli right off the bat that, hey, it's different. We've got a you know, we've got a great team. We can score a bunch of goals. We can keep you out. Uh, you know, maybe that Hellas Verona game. And then I remember one of the goals in that Hellas Verona game was off of a corner kick. And that can be expected when, you know, you're giving Merritt the full time job. You've got you're working in Minjai in the defender position. You don't have things totally, you know organized in particular moments like that um so uh but they they put the they put their foot on the pedal and i mean lead foot just 
boom. And just from match week one, and they never let up. Um, you know, periods where Allseman was out, but not for lengthy periods like he had been in previous seasons, yeah. which I think was very, very helpful. Yeah. He's he's the runaway Capo Cagnetti winner. Um, I, I find it hard to see anybody catching him at this point. Um, so, Quadratelia, uh, I think we went into the season saying this guy immediately steps in and has an impact, yeah. um, you know, because of the parameters that where we've seen him and who he has played for previously, you know, that he has not been on a team where there's other talent on the pitch that if you completely key in on Quadratelia, someone else is going to beat you. So, um, so you couldn't do that. Uh, So with, with Ziolinski from the attacking midfield and they got just enough. And I think if we've probably been most critical of any position, it's been that right-hand side, whether it's been Politano, whether it's been Lozano, but they got just enough from that position. Um, Yeah to uh uh to get there so uh we've got fit comedian in the house uh a blueprint for how italian teams can go forward i think you're just seeing attack you're seeing a lot of attacking football in italy all of a sudden you know over the last few years and i think that spalletti is probably one of the i don't want to call him a pioneer but he's one of the he's he's one of the men behind you know this renaissance of how italian football has changed um, with more goal scoring, with more chance creating, with more aggressive attacking, you know, you probably can put Maurizio Sarri in that conversation. Certainly, yeah. Stefano Pioli to an extent. Vincenzo Italiano, um, I would definitely have uh, as, as part of that discussion. Uh, yes, Giampiero Gasparini. Um, I think that you can probably make the argument for Dionisi continuing the things the way they're going at Sassuolo. So you're the seeing Zerbi, a bit of a, Zerbi, right? Another the guy. Zerbi, yeah. And you see what I mean? Don't look at what he did at Brighton yesterday against Everton, <laughs> but um, but I mean, you're seeing a different way, and then it's all that's all leading up to what Roberto Mancini typically likes to do with Italy. He wants possession and he wants to attack and score goals. You know, and right now they have. You know the national team has shortcomings at the nine position, which is which is hindering the rest of the team. Um, but you're seeing things change. You've seen a in in certain cases out of necessity teams going back to some of the old Catenaccio approach and game management that Allegri is makes habit of. But you've seen Stefano Pioli go to that regardless of formation. You've seen Simone Inzaghi go to that regardless of formation. Um, You've seen, you know, Mourinho obviously does it a lot. And these are just in right now with the state of their teams, this is how they can find ways to win until they can get it back and get into the gear that some of the other managers are at. But Spalletti, he's been doing it this way for a long, long time. This has been his way, and he hasn't apologized for it. He has had teams get battered playing this way. Roma teams that he's had. I mean, I just, I still remember 7-1 against Man United. Uh, back in 2007, uh, some of the some of the Barcelona games through the years, um, you know, so he has definitely taken it in the teeth trying to trying to coach his teams this way. So for him to finally get a team over the top, I mean, I think this is his moment too, yeah. much like it was Pioli's moment last year. Exactly. Um, and it's great to see managers who have have put in a near lifetime of work. Um, finally get rewarded for it. So talk about Spalletti a little bit here. Such a fantastic manager. I mean, he always has been. He's always been one of the, like you said, one of the bright minds in terms of attacking and in terms of Calcio. Uh, he did it with the Roman teams. He's he's done it with 
every team he's managed, it seems like even when he was at Zenit, I did the same thing. Yep. Um, and it's always been the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, he he's always something that held him back. He's always found quarrels, whether it's with Totti at Roma, whether it's Icardi at, at Inter. Uh, it's always something that kind of held him up. And we said this going into the season that this may be the most perfect fit for him with players from front to back that he's ever had in total. And and it showed for sure. I mean, what, what Spalletti, his stubbornness to continue doing what he loves, and that's attacking football, playing beautiful football, and not and not being apologetic about it, right? Like you said, he get battered several times throughout his career. Most managers would change the way they do, but he's like, no, nah, I'm gonna. This is what I want to do. This, yeah. this is how we play. He continued on. He 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 molded it and and transformed it here and there. Tinkered, you know, the tinker man. Uh, to take um, Ranieri's nickname, uh, tinkered along the way, finally found a team that was perfectly suited for him and kind of let them play, right? Yeah. He didn't do too much. He said, hey, these are what your strengths are. Go for it. Uh, yeah. And when, when he had to adjust, he, he did adjust very well. And this team showed it by the, the dominance they showed throughout the season from beginning to end. And I think the real, the, the real sign of intention was, you know, started out the season against some teams that were not necessarily top seven team uh, talent in the league. When they played Milan for that first time, when Milan was starting out strong, we're gonna say, okay, we're gonna see who's really what Napoli are made of, and they won at the San Siro at two to one or something like that. Um, an impressive performance, but then that game showed that hey, they are for real. They're here to stay for the rest of the season, and it has continued on, and they built that lead, and eventually, an eighteen point lead is insurmountable for anybody. Uh, so, congratulations to them. Espaletti deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, by far, his most talented team. Yeah. Uh, here with uh, with Napoli. Um, <clears throat> Osimen not missing long periods of time. Big part of why this Lobotka coming of age as a midfielder. We've talked about him. We, I saw Napoli Sansoni talking about how nobody talks about Lobotka. I was like, hey, over here, we've we've talked about him plenty. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, you know the leadership of a, of a Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Uh, you know, at the right back position. Mario um, Rui as well. Yeah. Mario Rui. I think you could argue that this was one of Mario Rui's best seasons. Um, it was his best season. I, I I would I would put money that it was his best season. Would you say the presence of Oliveira motivated him? That's pr- I mean, that's low hanging fruit to make that suggestion, but it yeah, that's competition at that position probably, yeah. you know, I mean, look what it did to Brian Diaz at Milan. I mean, Brian Diaz has arguably you could argue that Brian Diaz might have had his best season this year at Milan. Yeah. Because yeah. of Milan bringing in Charles Charles de Quetelari, saying, oh, you're going to bring this kid in to take my job? Uh-uh. I, I want to stay out here a little bit longer. So that's, And that's the argument most teams make when they they keep buying players, even though they have a good teams, is because they want to make that competition, and competition either brings the best out of you or you find out who people who really don't have what it takes. Uh, and we're seeing this evident with teams like Real Madrid, right? They just keep buying people, and they keep – keep uh, doing phenomenally. Uh, but uh, the way Marui, I think, responded when he saw Oliveira, I think you're absolutely right. I think he said, this guy potentially could take my spot. I need to step up my game. And what we saw is his by far his best season, not only offensively, defensively, leadership. Um, yeah. He just did it from 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 end, from end beginning to end. And uh, he deserves a lot of credit, just like Di Lorenzo, uh, for the leadership they provided and the way they stepped up this season. Because, frankly, the, two of the weaknesses were the wingbacks this year. For going into the season for Napoli, right? Yeah. The, the whole right side, but in particular the defensive team. You know, the middle they were going to be okay. Uh, even with Kolobali leaving, you thought they would be fairly solid with some of the players that they had. But 
it's you know left back and right back with the big question marks and both players definitely stepped up and uh deserved a lot of credit we'll have to see now that the target is on their back what kind of team are they you know um we'll see that's gonna be very intriguing for me next for next year we said this about Havarashelia too, right? Like Leao. Leao got a big target last year because he won MVP. And then we this year he had to find out what it was like to get a target on your back and then adjust. And he overcame that, right? Havarashelia, we, we want to say he's world class. It's like pump the brakes, right? Let's he was a fantastic season, no doubt about it. MVP. Oh, I think he's I think he's world class. Um, let's see what he does next year when the target's on his back. If he can do it again, which I imagine he will, uh, then you know he's real real deal. But we've seen a lot of guys who had phenomenal seasons, Andre Balotti. And then they could not adjust when the targets on their back, and then they were never the same person as they were that first season. That, and I think Carvachelia is different from that. I do think he is world class, but he needs to show it with the target on his back that he can do it again, and he will. I believe Fair. he will. Okay. Um, and and Fitcom's point. I mean, Merritt uh, had his best season too. I mean, that all it all came together, and to a point where you can argue that Merritt is probably making a push for Italy number one over Donnarumma. Uh, so. You know, we'll have to see how that we'll have to see how that battle unfolds as Italy gets games, and we'll see what Mancini does with that position. I, I think Donnarumma is still going to start, but uh, Merit's making a case. And even more importantly, he may have a case to make in our top eleven. That's even more important than the Azuri at the moment. Mm. <laughs> he might be in the he might be in the team of the season. We'll we'll break it down. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I let's see how this unfolds. Let's see what because I. Yeah. I think Mignon's been outstanding, and Mignon has been in an environment where he's been forced to make some more critical saves than Merritt has 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 done. And I think it might come down to those fine details, uh, you know, when it, when it, when you talk about the league. So, um, and I think that you need to lump Providell in that conversation too, in terms of goalkeeper yeah. of the season. I think that yeah. you know, and that's a crazy thing to say. Merritt had his best season, but you know, it's up in the air whether he's goalkeeper of the season with the efforts that players like Mignon and Providell have put in. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you can probably argue Mignon for goalkeeper of the season just for what Milan went through when he wasn't fit, when, you know, how much they missed him. You know, I think I made this argument, like, back at the 2008 Euros, I was having a conversation, like, through the first round of games, and Italy had lost to the Netherlands 3-0. And uh, so who's the most important? And somebody was asking, so after the first round of games and all the first round of the Euros, who was – who's the most important player. And I said, Fabio Cannavaro, because he didn't play for Italy and it showed <laughs> Italy got walked <laughs> off the park. Yeah. So anyway, Eduardo's in the house. Good to see you. Um, Thank you. Eduardo. Good, luck to, good luck tomorrow. We're all yeah. friends. Let's remember that. So um, we, uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting targets on their back. You know, to your point, Quadratalia, could he get found out at some point? Um, teams will spend their off seasons looking at how this Napoli team operate, how they possess and how they move and how they're going to try to counter it. I think that Pioli clearly had the best blueprint for it. Yes. Um, over the course of time. Yes, they lost that first game at the San Siro, but they came roaring back, knocked them out of Champions League, 1-4-0 at the Maradona. Um, so you're going to see a lot of teams looking at what Pioli did to set his team up to win those games and to be in those positions to be successful. So, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but you know, could, could be the trendy team to go back to back next year. We'll see how all of these teams, uh, reshuffle their teams too. So I think that's a big question mark too, is like, usually when a team does well, 
the the Hawks come, the Eagles come and and, and poach, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, already Avrashieli and Osimhen have been talked about from all the big te- all the big spending money teams in Europe. Uh, so will they be able to hold on? You know, ADL. You imagine who wants to hold on and try to maybe to go for a repeat because this is a very te- a team that could very well do it. Um, but if someone comes with a ridiculous offer, like how do you say no to that, right? If someone comes for right. 150 mil for Osimhen or or Kavarashelia, that's going to be hard to say no to that. It really is, and you could do a lot with that money if you spend it well. I mean, you always pay 10 million euros for for Havarashelia, and that's a great uh, profit off of that. But they got to uh, they had to do some soul searching and figure out what their priorities are coming this off season, especially when that big offer comes, because you know it will be. Uh, Either Man City, Real, or PSG. One of them is going to offer something crazy, and will he bite? That's the question. Yep. yep. I mean, in the money that would be coming in for just those two players, you can go out and get six or seven players and just have a really <laughs> deep squad. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, so I think we'll that's s- what they need to progress deep into Champions League is a deep squad. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what the one critique I would have of them. And that might have been their shortcoming. I mean, I think that you know Spalletti tried and trusted the same guys um you know habitually doesn't sub until 70 minutes into the match in most cases where a lot of guys will do 60 and now with five substitutions some guys are off at halftime um but he kept his best 11 out there for as long as he could before he knew it was time to make changes he didn't really get impatient with with subbing um so you know and i think might be some of that is and then that might be the one knock you could have against Napoli is were they really deep? But at the same time, did they have to be yeah. when the first 11 played so well? They probably had, I would say, 15, 16 really good guys. And everybody yeah. else of that kind of dropped off because, like, Elmas is a good backup, right? Um, the, the right side with Politano and Lozano, that could, that could get a real upgrade, you know? Um, wing backs, uh, midfielders. Yeah, Oliveira's good. But, like, yeah, you got Deme, but there's, like, do they have uh, – and Dombele was okay this Dombele. year, but, like, do you have enough midfielders to really give the three guys, the main three guys, a rest? That's the question mark. So, you know, depth is – major depth for for all 11 guys is what they need. Golini is solid uh, as a backup we saw this weekend. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do and what they decide with when money comes their way. Yep, exactly. So, um so we'll we'll see what unfolds with this Napoli team, but man, congratulations, all of our uh, all of our Napoli friends out there that are out there, Rafa, Raf and Raf, uh, Ken, uh, man, who, I'm leaving people out, Joe Fischetti, uh, yeah. you know, even our even our guy James McNeil, who we or James McGee, I'm sorry, um, uh, who we had as a guest on years and years ago, I'm sure was uh, was certainly enjoying himself. Um, as well as uh, you know, man. If I'm if I'm if I'm not naming you right now, sorry. Uh, you know, you know, forgive me. There's there's because there's a bunch everyone. of you and and you all support the podcast, and we want to thank you guys for that. But yeah. congratulations to you. So, all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, so we had three games on uh, Saturday and Sunday, Richard, that had direct impact on the top four. Uh, we're going to move into our top four conversation now and try to make sense of what is in front of us after those games have happened. And we begin uh, with Milan opening up on Saturday morning, um, Saturday afternoon in Italy, uh, winning 2-0 over Lazio. Uh, 
the goal of the week happened in this game. It was the second goal of the game. Teo Hernandez, who went coast to coast last year against Atalanta, Atalanta goes coast to coast this year against Lazio. Um, that was in the 29th minute, preceded by a 17th minute goal by Ishmael Benesser after some good pressing. That's good scouting by Pioli uh, yeah. to know that okay, you've got a you've got a you've got a regista that probably isn't your normal regista. Go ahead and press him, force you know force him into a mistake. Um, so two nil. Uh, but, uh, the dark cloud here is Rafael Leao having to leave the game about 11 minutes in with a slight, uh, what seems to be some sort of slight muscular problem. Um, the latest today, Stefano Pioli in the press conference today, Richard said that it seems like Rafael's fighting like hell to, to be available for tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the. We'll get into the uh, conversation about the Milan Inter preview, and I think where he falls. I, I think that worst case scenario, he's coming in as a substitute tomorrow. Um, he might end up being an unused substitute, depending on how the flow of the game goes. Um, but uh, I, I, Milan fans all held their collective breath when he pulled up after that. Uh, af- after that effort, it was an effort going to goal, uh, where he and he pulled up slightly. Yeah. Uh, and this would be the, one of the all-time ruses of all, you know, if uh, it come out for the Champions League with the roster and he is starting, right? I, I doubt that that's the case, but imagine Inter's faces when they see Leo starting 11, right? But no, I, I like you. I think he's going to come off the bench. Um, he's going to be fit enough to be, to come off as a sub, maybe 15 minutes or something like that, but he's certainly not going to start. Uh, as I in the preview pod with um, Anthony from Inter Worldwide, I said I expect Rebic to be the starter in this one, and probably he's going to be on a short lease. And you probably see Salamakers in fairly early. Uh, on you know whether it's on the right side or left side doesn't matter, but I think Rebic will get the get the nod in this one, uh, and he's probably the most capable to fill Leao's shoes, the closest I should say. He's not no nowhere near Leao, but if other players they have available. He's probably the best that they have to choose from. So that's going to be my guess. And then you'll probably see Leal probably like the last 15 minutes, depending on how the game is going. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough loss. Um, not ideal for Milan go, heading into the big derby and semifinals of the Champions League. But uh, I guess it could have been worse. It could have been injured for a long time, right? So uh, I guess that's uh, one one half cup, half full, you know, half full cup there you could take uh, with, with this injury here. Sure. And – Pioli's not afraid to. I mean, in the last derby, he didn't start Leao either. So, um, so he's not afraid to. If, that, if that's what he has to do, we'll see what happens. Roma and Inter, Inter winning at Roma at the Olimpico by two goals to nil. Di Marco, he just likes to score on Roma. He does. He does it again. Yep. Um, getting on the back end of a Denzel Dumfries cross in the uh, 33rd minute, and then the uh, 74th minute. Uh, some very poor play out of the back by Roma. Lataro ceases on it, plays in Lukaku, about as easy a goal as Lukaku's going to score. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you still, you got to be, you got to, you got to seize those opportunities. Uh, ask to Ketelari if he would like to have that chance back against Cremonese in particular. So, yeah. um, you know, 2 0 win to enter. And then on Sunday, uh, Juventus vaults into second thanks to the Lazio loss and their 2-0 win over Atalanta. A great moment in the 56th minute. Samuel Ealing Jr. getting his first Juventus start and getting on the score sheet. Uh, and then in the 98th minute, it was Dusan Vlaovic uh, on the counter as Atalanta were trying to press to tie the game. Uh, Juve go the other way. It is Vlaovic from Chiesa. 98th minute, curling goal. 
to give Juventus the win. So this sets the table uh, for the top four chase. Juve is in second on 66. Lazio in third on 64. Inter fourth on 63. Milan fifth on 61. Atalanta 58 points in sixth. Roma 58 points in seventh. Um, let's begin with Atalanta and Roma. Is it a bridge too far for them now? Five back with four to play. I think so. Um, you know, Anthony, I talked about how with with Roma in the semifinals and potentially the finals of the Europa League, that's a lot on their minds at the moment. And so they're going to, you know, Mourinho is going to want to try to do well in that tournament. And so I do think it's a bridge too far for them. They, it's not to say, no matter, even if they don't finish in the top four, this was a fantastic season considering what they did in, in, in Europe with and with the league too. This is this year, the talent in the league with the t- top seven teams has been phenomenal. So any team in the top seven team deserves kudos this year, despite where you fall. Um, so I think it's a bridge too far for them. Atalanta too. This is their only tournament to play in, yet they, time and time again, when when it matters, it seems like they just they they, they can't get it done, and they they could have used a draw on this to say say alive mathematically. But I, I think that all but seals that uh, the their fate in the top four at least. Uh, which is unfortunate for them because they they've been coming on really well. Zuvan Zapata started playing really well with the assist and got a goal uh, the, the week prior. Um, obviously, Pasalic and, and and the rest of the guys have been having a good season, but um, they just for whatever reason can't get it done. It's, you know, Gasparini not being able to adjust in the big games. I don't know, but uh, I think both those teams are are out of the top four contention here. Yeah, um, Atalanta's running. I mean, still let's let's remember this. They're at Salernitana. They host Hellas Verona. They're at Inter. They host Monza. So. If they can win all of those games, that includes a win over Inter. It's not out of the question, but it is. Five points is a lot to make up with only four games left. So last week I thought because of their running that they would snag fourth. Um, But they couldn't get it done against Juve. A Juve team that has not been good away against good teams in Serie A and not been good away in general when you look at Europe. Uh, you know, so they had their chance there, and I think that that's going to be too difficult. Uh, I agree with you. I think Roma's in Europa League mode here at this point. Um, you know, Mourinho, uh, I mean, you look at the rest of Roma's games, you look at their run in, obviously, the Bayer Leverkusen games, which are going to be very intriguing. Yeah. Uh, but they go to Bologna, which is going to be a tough task, they go to Fiorentina, which is going to be a tough task. Their home games are Salernitana and Spezia. Um, you know, so you. They could be getting, and they could be getting a Spezia teams just just absolutely fighting for their lives on the last day, depending on how uh, things play out. So you know, it's not the friendliest of run-ins for them, and five back with four to play for them. I think if one team out of these two have a better chance, just simply out of running, it's Atalanta, and with Roma yeah. having the Europa League distraction, agreed. Um, that's just kind of where I'm at. And you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think it's yeah. uh, Atalanta have nothing else to play for, so they, they they'll be more more invested. I would think in the league than than Roma with the other distractions around them. Okay, so it's Juventus right now that are five points up with four to play, um, and let, let's just uh, assuming the legal ramifications and the courts don't throw them out of Europe. They host Cremonese. They're at Empoli. They host Milan. They're at Udinese. You know, I think when you think about the teams that are sitting, okay, Milan's on 61 points. You know, they, I think they, they beat Empoli, they beat Cremonese, and then at that point they just need one more point to secure their Champions League place. I think Juve's in. 
Yeah, I think they're getting a minimum nine points out of that yep. run there. So, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely one of the ones that are, are guaranteed in the top four. Yep. And I, they, again, assuming UEFA doesn't say, hey, we don't like some of the things that are going on here. You can't play in our competitions next year. So, yeah. um, I, I think if there's anything legally being done in Italy, it's going to affect them next year. Um, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen this year. So, uh, just something to kind of keep track of. Um, we go to Lazio in third. All right, let's break down their run-in. Um, hosting Lecce at Udinese, hosting Cremonese at Empoli. I think this might be as easy a run-in as you can ask for um, right now to be on 64 points. Um, the game at Udinese could probably be a tricky one for them. But there's nine points in play. So, but if they can win the other three again, that's 73 for them. Um, that's 73 for them, and at 73, they're going to be in. Um, I, I I think Lazio is in at this point. What do you think? The, if they can stay out of their own way, they they should be in the top four. I am unconvinced at the moment with with Lazio. They've been playing very well in 2023, um, fully deserving to be in the top four, but. Uh, there's there's moments where you're wondering like what the hell are you thinking? Uh, and granted, the, the, the loss to Milan is not one of them because that's a, that's a good team they lost to. But they, you know, they play some of the, some of the other teams that they should be beating, and then they they get a, a draw or a loss, and it's like what? Um, so I'm not fully convinced with Lazio just yet. I think they're one of the teams that are, they're a bubble team for me. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. They're a bubble team. Udinese might still have something to prove. Um... Empoli, I think, might be hitting the beach at, at some point. Empoli have won two in a row, though. Let's, let's yeah, they looked really good last week too. So yeah, and they beat Salernitana, they beat Bologna. So maybe they might still want to try to put together some wins and make one last push, you know, on the lap. But but we get to that last day, and there's going to be some teams that'll just mail it in. Um, it just that's just how it works. Um, I just really I so I think fourth comes down to Inter and Milan right now with those two points. Um, with that two-point margin. I mean, I think that's how fine everything is at this point. Uh, Inter and fourth, you know, they've obviously got the two Milan games. They host Sassuolo in between those. Bogey team for them. They go to Napoli. Then they've got the Copa against Fiorentina. Then they host Atalanta, and then they're at Torino. So this is still a very brutal um, run-in for them. I mean, combination of, you know, Quality of strength, strength of schedule number one, but also the extra fixtures that they're in in on top of it. I, I still think they can drop points and fall out of this. No, that's true. I think I think both both Milanese clubs have been up and down for the longest time. Uh, they look really good in Europe, but in the league, you never know each week what you're going to get, and you can get a performance like you did with Inter this past weekend where they won two nothing and look phenomenal, and you get other times where they they get a draw. And you're like, how did they, how did they? Same thing with Lazio, right? Uh, and they're very much a bubble team. Uh, I mean, I think for sure, if nothing else, I think the more likely scenario is one of the Milanese clubs doesn't make it. Um, right. And you could have a situation where one of the teams misses out, but they win a Champions League. That's a, that's also a, a, in the realm of possibilities. But uh, yeah, I mean, between the two Milanese clubs right now, I think who's playing slightly more consistent in the league, just in the league, it's probably Inter. Uh, so I would give, I would tip them the favorites at the moment because uh, that's a lot of points for Milan to overcome. But it's doable. We'll see where their heart is. 
Uh, and at the moment, it seems like it's Champions League. So, yeah, it's that that one's going to be that one's going to be interesting. And then you finally get to Milan, who sit in fifth, and you obviously have the two games with with Inter. They're at Spezia. They host Sampdoria. They're at Milan, and then they host Hellas Verona. Yeah, that's a not easy schedule by any stretch. Um, going to Juve is going to be difficult. Yeah, they might get a Hellas Verona at the end of this at the end of on match week thirty eight. That's already secured safety for next season. Maybe yeah. At Spezia, but we've seen them, and and then and a Sampdoria team that's relegated. So, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Give me Milan's run in all day over Inter's down the stretch. Sure, but we seem the way Milan's played against Milan does better against the top seven than they do against the bottom five. Uh, right, for whatever reason, it's it's a major brain fart for them, which could ultimately cost them that that Champions League spot. Um, they would need to win those games. Can they do it? Yes. Have they proved yeah. it lately? No. Uh, and that's that's the thing for me. It's it's again uh, as with Lazio and, and Inter. It's a lot of there's a lot to not trust with with, with this team um, in the league in Champions League. I am fully confident in this team. They they know how to play, uh, but they can't translate the, that same style of play into into Serie A. Granted, they're more they're more more than likely they are the favorites in the games when they play in Serie A versus Champions League. They tend to be the yeah. underdogs, but notwithstanding, they they don't get the same results week in and week out consistently as as some of the other clubs. So yeah, it, it's a hard for me. I, Milan does have the easier schedule. They make it easier for them. They need to win out and then hope everybody else fall into place with dropping some points. Uh, but that's the best case scenario is they need to win out and hope um, teams around them just drop huge points, whether it's Inter or Lazio. Um, but uh, a, a very good team is going to miss out on top four, whether it's Lazio, Inter, or Milan. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. And then again, we could have all three make it somehow just by make, winning Champions League. I'm not convinced that Milan are over their finishing problems after Correct. the 2-0 win against Lazio as well. I mean, they had – I think I laid this out for everybody after the Cremonese draw. They've had – in the four draws that they've had, and that was Cremonese, Bologna, Salernitana, and Empoli. Yep. They had 84 shots in those four games. They only came away with two goals. Um, or three, I think it was three goals. There's three one-one draws three. and a nil-nil. Yeah. Okay, so three goals. Um, and I think that their expected goals per game, com- like on average for those four games, was nearly two per game. So that is a clear dropped eight points right now that it's one of those simple things. Finish your chances and you're on 69 points and you're in third place and you've got some breathing room. Um, but that's what it's going to come down to the fine details and the lack of, you know, if Milan fail, if Milan don't qualify for top four, they, they, they don't qualify over a lack of finishing. Okay. Um, and a lack of being clinical around, around the goal, especially against bottom half opponents where when you watch enter, when you watch Napoli, they don't mess around. They take care of those teams. Um, let me, let me ask and you then this. Lazio, Lazio to an extent too. Let me ask you this. I said I said on the on the on the Champions League preview pod with uh, Anthony that um, Pioli's job is safe. He makes top four, win or lose in the in the semifinals of the Champions League. It's a successful season. His job is safe. However, if he doesn't make the top four and they don't make it to the at least to the finals of the Champions League, is his job safe for next season? Considering what is expected of Milan. Now it's interesting living in Milwaukee because I've kind of gone through this and I just went through this scenario already being a Bucks fan. <laughs> 
they fired Mike Budenholzer uh, earlier. Uh, was it late last week? Mm-hmm. Um, after he coached the Bucks to the best record in the league, and they go out in the first round of the playoffs to a very good Miami Heat team who is going to eliminate the Knicks and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. Um, he won an NBA championship two years ago. Yeah. Um, but a lot of Bucks fans around here are just very dissatisfied with a lot of his in-game adjustments, his his timeout management, you know, and things like that. And things got to a boil where the upper management not necessarily listened to the fans, but also drew the same conclusions, you know, and fired him. You know, made him the fall guy for uh the Bucks not qualifying beyond the first round in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Um I didn't agree with that. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree that you fire Pioli. Yeah. Not because I'm trying to keep up a fight against a bunch of people and me on Twitter, <laughs> but because I legitimately don't know how you fire a manager who has progressively gotten us there with the resources that Milan have worked with up to this point. Okay. Uh, two years ago, fourth qualify for the Champions League. Last year, win the Scudetto. This year, semifinals of the Champions League with a sh- with a real chance of making the final. Um, you know, I don't know how you sack a manager who's made that kind of progression. When you win a Scudetto, yeah. Can you do it? Can you go any higher in the league? In no. The league no. 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 Yeah, so yeah, and, and I understand Milan fans' frustrations that they'd want to still see top four if they can't win the Scudetto. I do too. But when you look at the, when you look at the competitiveness, you know, the top third of this league, there's parity within the top third of this league. Set Napoli aside who had an outlier of a season this year. Yeah. But there's parity here. Yeah. You go to you right now, you look at England right now. There's now parity among the top eight teams in the league. Okay. In the that, bottom ten. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal is, dra- you know, dragging Manchester City to the last day. Liverpool is trying to fight like hell to get back into the top four after being mid-table most of the season. My this gosh, isn't just yeah. a pro- this isn't just happening in Italy. This is happening all over Europe. Yeah. Okay. Um, the same four teams aren't going to get in every year. It's just, and I think that that's the nature of that's the nature of football right now. So when in the 0708 season, Milan failed to qualify for Champions League. They finished fifth. Did they sack Ancelotti? No. No. That was the year after that was the year after they won the Champions League in 07. Yeah. So you know uh, in the same vein, I would think uh, I, I agree with you. And I, I would think that Inzaghi's job is safe. Uh, but it's funny because I think Interisti feel the opposite, right? So we as Milanista, Milanisti Oh, I should say we, but the team, the team, the hierarchy feels that Champions League is a priority, not the league. Yeah. Inter and uh, many other teams, right? Uh, yeah. Their priority is the league. And yeah. so for Inter fans, uh, they feel like if they don't make the top four, they're, one, they're not winning Scudetto. That is a failure of a season. Yeah, we made the Champions League, but that's just, you know, that's icing on the cake. You yeah. failed in the season. You need to go. And I think the consensus seems to be that Inzaghi's out. And I, I think it's a similar season to Pioli. I think his job should be safe based on what he's done, what he's taken the team to the semifinals of the Champions yeah. League on top of everything else and yeah. Copa Italia finals. But the, the history will probably tell you that he gets fired and someone else comes in. I can't it's remember funny. who responded. I can't remember who responded to me, but it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen tweeted. And I don't want to make fun of anybody. I just, it's like, 
You sack Pioli and let upper management figure out. No, no, you're telling me you want to sack Pioli. You better tell me who the replacement is. You don't just get out of it and say, uh, let upper management figure it out. No. You know, sack Pioli, sack Maldini, and let upper management figure it out. No. You, you, you're, if you're making that take, you better tell me who's out there that is going to do better. Yeah. Because I look around the landscape right now, and I don't know who does better. Assuming that Roberto De Zerbi is not getting out of Brighton anytime soon to come to come back to come back to Italy and coach at Milan, that would be the one guy I would want. But with the impact that he's made at Brighton, I think it's going to be very very hard for him to leave. Um, Interesting to have their eyes on somebody, and I can't I, a name escapes me at the moment. But uh, there's somebody they have in their mind who can replace Tiago, Tiago Mota. He's one of them. He's mm-hmm. one of them. Conte is another name. Um, there's another guy. But anyway. They have somebody in mind who they think they can replace versus, you know, Milan. Like, who are you going to put in there? Like, I, I can't think of anybody. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can you can sit there and say, sack, you know, Pioli out, but that's great. And, I, and we had this argument. We, we, we've argued with Milan on Twitter multiple times talking about this topic. You can say Pioli out, but okay, fine. Go ahead and say that. Who are you getting? Be realistic. And that's going to be better. Okay. Because that's the other side of the equation. You don't think Cardinali's evaluating that? You don't think Maldini's evaluating that? They don't like looking at their short list and saying, is he really better than what we've got? No, probably not. You know, that's part of their job. And same thing with the Interbrass. They're probably looking at their short list right now, saying, you know, doing the if then with Inzaghi, right? Right, exactly. And they've got to ask themselves the question is there somebody better than Inzaghi? Did Antonio Conte burn that bridge? He probably did. He probably did. Um, Because to me, he would be the only ideal replacement given the personnel that's there at Inter. But the financial constraints are going to take it, break at his heart because he likes to buy people and Inter can't even afford a sponsor. With by the way, I love that. I love with and I agree with Anthony. The the kit with no sponsor on it. I do like how that looks on 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 most teams. Roma did it for a while too. Um, It does it does look good. But uh, that's old school, man. That reminds me of, I mean, yeah. European yeah. Cup finals, you couldn't wear the sponsor on your shirt. Yeah. Like you um, all the way up until it, but you know, they didn't have them on the shirt uh, for so the finals. With all the financial issues going on at Inter, that's going to be a hard sell for, for Conte. Yes, the team, you're right. The team is uh, perfect for him, but he wants to always have reinforcements. He always wants more. Well, give me more, give me more. They're not going to be able to pay that. They might not be able yeah. to pay players. So, like, that's going to be hard for me to believe that he goes there until it becomes official. Tiago Moto is more something that I would believe uh, versus that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We'll see how it all shapes out. I mean, it's going to all be a moot point if Inzaghi or Pioli win the Champions League this year. Um, right. And they would give keys to the city and, you know, bunga bunga parties left and right, you know, <laughs> if, they, if they choose. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, I just needed, we were just trying to talk the casual. And it's like it, sacking the manager is not always the answer. And in most, in some cases, sacking the manager could actually set your team back and make it worse than it, than, than, than make it better. And that actually is the example. That, that, that's actually the rule more often than the other thing. Manchester United, Ranić. As Manchester United, where, where's Man, what's Manchester United done since Ferguson's left? Yeah. I mean, they, right? they, they've done well with Ten Hag. I think he's a good appointment. But I think yeah. Ranić was a big example. Like uh, they brought him in, and they went really way down uh, past what uh, Old Gunner was doing. So uh, right. 
it's more than likely you're gonna go you're gonna regress versus you know progress if you bring in a new manager. Um, so. And what about Milan after Ancelotti? I mean, it. I mean, okay, Allegri <laughs> came in and won a Scudetto, but it it fell out of control, and some of that was the financial constraints with which yep. Berlusconi and Galliani were working with that had a lot to do with it. And but then they they went crazy and they tried to retread former players. Um. So, we'll you know who knows. Um. Cool. Stadio della Roma is finally giving getting approved. About time. About like time. six years later, yeah, <laughs> better than better than ever. I guess Mourinho agreed to stay another year, so they said, "Hey, we'll we'll, we'll finally build you that stadium." I guess so. That kills the Mourinho to PSG talk, then. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully, which hopefully, man, Mourinho needs to stay in the league. I, I think he does. He makes Roma so so much better. I think Roma have proven that they are a European contender uh, with Mourinho. They did last year. They won the title in Europa League and they're, they, um, or excuse me, Conference League. This year they could potentially do it in, in, in Europa League. Uh, and if they win Europa League, maybe go to Champions League. You know, we could have five, six teams in Champions League. No, I don't know. We'll probably have five teams in Champions League. Maybe if we're I mean, Roma, Roma have a spine. That's it. That's it. I mean, can you can you imagine? Even the Feyenoord uh, tie here in the quarterfinals. Can you imagine? De- and, and, and I know Di Francesco put it together to beat Barcelona, and, and and everything came together perfectly, you know, for them to go through. And then they gave they, they gave Liverpool all sorts of trouble before they just ran out of time. Yeah. Um, but the previous Roma managers before Mourinho, could you have seen them managing their way through that against what no. Feyenoord can do? No. You know. No, I mean he was the one guy that is perfect. He's perfect for Roma. Yes. He's brought a solidity to that team. He's brought a spine to that team. They're a tough team to play against. All of a sudden, he's they're brought still- good attention to Roma too. He's brought good attention to Roma. Yes, there's still a fragility to Roma that creeps up from time to time, but you see it less and less. Yeah. So, um, so so definitely. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's going to be interesting, and I think that Gasparini, despite how, regardless of how Atalanta finish up, I think he's getting another year. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything to worry about there. And then and, and Saudi's done an outstanding job with Lazio, and now you give him another transfer window, let him filter in more players. They're the interesting team next season if they can hang on to guys like Milinkovic Savic. Yeah, you know, Luis Alberto, you know, he's got that. He's got kind of that big three. Felipe Anderson has come through like gangbusters for them um, in his second stint at Lazio. Do something about the fullback positions. And Regista. And, and you know, I, I think Cataldi made strides this year. Sure. Okay. Um, Vecino's a reasonable yeah. and backup. serviceable backup. But, yeah, I, I you can improve the Regista position, too, in that setup. So Yeah. Well um, – since since you've last been on our podcast, uh, both Frosinone got promoted, mm-hmm. and even more recently, Genoa back in our lives in City Out once again. Ooh, so that the means uh, are back. the Grifone are back. So that means somebody has to go down. Um, we yeah. learned about one team this weekend, huh? That uh, yep. are not going to be with us next season in City Out. Um, relegation battle. Uh, hot and heavy this weekend. Uh, Sampdoria punched their ticket to Seti B this weekend. Uh, 
Or did they have their ticket punched for them? <laughs> they got they got a ticket punched for them. Unfortunately for them, they don't. I hope they keep Sankovic. I hope they keep Sankovic and Seti B because I think I I want to see what he can do with them. Um, whether he wants to stay or not, that's another question. But yeah, um, we'll start with them. Udinese uh, hosted in Sampdoria. Udinese went two nothing goal. Uh, nice chip over the goalkeeper by Pereira in the ninth minute. Uh, Messina followed. Massina scored. Followed up with in the thirty fourth minute with a nice header of a goal. 2-0 Udinese win that game. Uh, going back to Saturday, Cremonese, who have come on love late, right? They had a nice draw against Milan, had some nice wins recently. Uh, Ocareque has come on like gangbusters. They went 2-0 against Spezia. Spezia all of a sudden in the drop. Um, goal by Ciofani in the 41st minute, and then Vasquez in the 77th. Uh, Cremonese, an impressive win when we all thought they were done and dusted like Sampdoria. Are now only three points behind Spezia. Uh, for that uh, for that playoff spot, so uh, we'll see. Playoffs, well, if I talk about playoff spot, um, uh, uh, they're three points behind Spezia. I'm gonna say that, and then I'm moving on to Sunday. Um, other relegation, big game. Lecce hosting Hellas. Um, this we know this is a big game. We talked about it. Hellas is a team that has too much talent to go down. They've, for the time being, are out of the relegation fight or out, out of the bottom three, I should say. Uh, goal of the week candidate by Ngonje. Uh, the 71st minute, nice goal from distance to beat uh, to beat the Lecce goalkeeper. Uh, Falcone did everything he could, but uh, that was a nicely placed, nicely powered shot by Ngonje. Um, Lecce tried as they might. Montipo was up to the effort, and uh, Hellas with a big victory on the road for them, up to 30 points now. Out, like I said, out of the bottom three, and back on to Monday. Um, I guess Salernitana. I guess we you talked Salernitana and Empoli. Uh, Empoli won two to one. Salernitana are fairly safe, as are Empoli. Uh, goals by Kambiagi scores again. This guy's on fire for what four goals in three games. Caputo also scored in the 63rd minute. Piante got a consolation goal for Salernitana. Ochoa played fantastic once again, but uh, Empoli won that game. So, uh, of the relegation three, I mean, we got like I said a new bottom three uh, because well, Sampdoria is relegated. Uh, and then uh, Spezia now joined the bottom three and, and Hellas go out. So where do you want to start with that bottom three? I'm doing victory laps because I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks that Verona are going to get out. Yeah. And here they are in 17th. <laughs> so, um, you know, so happy for them. Happy for Ngonje, who's who, who scored. Their form's been good. And let's look at Hellas Verona. I mean, they've got wins, not just Lecce, but they beat Bologna and Sassuolo in this run. And they drew they yeah. drew Napoli. Uh, and then they drew Cremonese, who at the time was a direct rival. They did, they, they took the beating to Inter. Yeah. I mean, but let's just face it. Hellas Verona punted that game knowing that the Lecce game at the weekend was more important. Yeah. You know, you just sometimes just see that in teams. You know, it's still a bit of a challenge for them from a run-in standpoint, but I think they can go and beat Empoli at home, which puts them at 33, which I think gives them enough to get yeah. uh, over the line and qualify. I think going hosting Torino, if they can win that uh, here this Sunday, they're in. Uh, they're good to go. Um, I still think 31-32 is the cut. So yeah. Verona need one more win. They They're at Milan at the end. They host Torino at Atalanta, host Empoli at Milan. So, um, so it's uh, obviously entirely probable that they get through on that. Because when you look at Lecce's run in at Lazio, hosting Spezia at Monza, hosting Bologna. I mean, and it's still entirely possible that Lecce could outlast Spezia. Again, we say it May twentieth. Lecce and Spezia is huge right now. 
um, you know, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the run-in. Um, it was a, a game that Lecce, Lecce had a little bit more of the ball. They certainly got a lot more chances, but it was the Ngonje goal that, that got it done. We like this kid Ngonje, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, talented player. Not somebody that's going to like break into a top seven team or anything like that in this league, but somebody that can still be serviceable and, and be a kind of player that can give some trouble. Um, so he had a pretty decent scoring record when he was playing at Grunigan in the air to Vizier too. Uh, so, uh, so, so good to see that. Um, good to, good to have a, a prediction go right for me. You, I mean, you hear, you hear about the mess that Sampdoria is in? What is besides, that? Besides, so besides relegation, they may go bankrupt. Uh, hmm. the, the the fans have been protesting against the management for a while now, but uh, you know if it if it comes if it happens where they do go bankrupt, they will be forced to go down to Seti C or Seti or Seti G or Seti D, uh, which would be massive blow to them. Uh, you know, in recent memory, teams who've had similar issues uh, went went down. Right, Parma went down, Palermo went down, uh, a few others went down as well. Um, so that would be terrible for for the Genovese club if they had to go down uh, to Serie D or you know Serie C um, on top of you know getting relegated this season. So uh, not only do their their direct rivals get promoted at the same time, uh, they may go way down, which would be unfortunate for them. So we'll see what happens here in the coming weeks. Ferrero uh, spending too much money on cocaine? <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> so. Uh, Cremonese, we probably should be nice to here because they're mathematically still in it and their form has actually been pretty good of late. Yes, it has. Um, they had the ugly loss to Udinese, but they beat Empoli. They beat Samp. They drew Fiorentina in the Copa in the second leg. I mean, they're ultimately knocked out there, but then they drew Hellas Verona, drew Milan, beat Spezia here. But I think the best they do is 30 points, which isn't going to be enough. Um, with going to Juve and Lazio among their run and they host Salerno Town at the end. They host Bologna in between those trips to Juve and Lazio. Um, so, I mean, it's worth noting the the form that they're in as they're trying to work their way out. I think they're just out of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's a shame because there's some pretty good players on that team. You know, oh, yeah. guys with steady eye experience. I mean, we, we've, we've always liked Okariki. We just wish he could get on a better team. He just always finds his way on these teams that go down. Um, Chofani's got some talent. I like the wingbacks on Cremonese as well. Yeah. Sunicola yeah. in particular. Yeah. Valeri's been good. Um, so there's some talent on this Cremonese team. It just took a long time to come together, and it's just too late um, based on kind of where I think they're going to end up. So, uh, But certainly worth bringing into the conversation. Uh, and then you have Spezia. Um, when did they play? They play Cremonese. That's right. They lost to Cremonese. Yeah. Hopefully, Enzola's yeah. with the top seven team next year. Yeah, Enzola's going to come really cheap. Yeah. Uh, hosting Milan at Lecce, hosting Torino at Roma. Ouch. Oy. I mean, they're on. They're on twenty-seven. They may get the three against Lecce, and that's it. Arrivederci. Yeah, I think that I think it's more and more likely that Spezia is 18th and, and going down, not just because they're sitting there now, but I look at the run and I don't see how, even if they do beat Lecce, um, yeah. 
That'd be hard. And that game got moved to May 21st. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah, that game, it was May 20th. They have moved that game now to May 21st at 6.30 a.m. Eastern time. Primetime game at 6.30 a.m. What? what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? This Napoli, was... Napoli Inter, I mean, yeah, for Inter for the top four, but I mean like. I would have watched that at 8 a.m. I would have watched that at 8 a.m. on the 20th. I don't know that if should, I would have watched it. That should be the main game on that day. Yeah, because that's going to decide 18th. I would have put that at a. Yeah. I would have put that at a game time where everybody could see it because there's a lot on the line with those two teams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that would have drawn an audience. So, yeah. At least the two um, of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now I got to watch it at 5 30 in the morning. Yeah. So, it could, could be podcasting at 5 30 in the morning with me, right? And Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I'm not getting up to do a podcast with you and Anthony, I'm not getting up to watch Lech and Spence. I'll just enough, I'll just catch enough. the replay. I'll just catch the replay. <laughs> <laughs> so, fair enough. I think wasn't it the one I was? Uh, oh, when Parma played, who was it? It might have been Lecce, or I can't remember. Was it a, a couple of years ago when Parma went Serie A? And I, I said uh, I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching Parma versus Lecce, so you don't have to, <laughs> or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and then yeah. our guest who we had called me out on it. Um, <laughs> so. Do a watch along, yeah. Let's do a watch along. Yeah, do a watch along. I'm not doing a watch along at 5:30 in the morning my time. <laughs> uh, I don't have my thoughts. Trying to trying to let the caffeine kick in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to work. So <sighs> if Daniel Maldini would go back to Milan if Spezia goes down. That's true. Yeah, so go back on loan. I think looking at all of the run-ins, I mean, can we conclude that Spezia is going to be 18th? I think so. I might even say they're 19th and Cremonese will finish 18th. It's possible, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope Lecce survives. I think they're a good story. Um, good team. They're fun to watch. They got some really nice playmakers on the team. And, and just a good story in general. And their, their fan base is amazing. It just it would be it'd be tough for them to go down so fast. I think they deserve to stick it out another season and see if they can improve upon this one. So we'll see. Yep. Other three games uh, that that took place, Torino and Monza could have played in a parking lot, and no one would have cared. Um, game ended one one. Yeah, uh, it was uh, uh, Sanabria and then Caprari uh, going there. Napoli and Fiorentina. This game deserved to be played at the Maradona for all of the reasons. Um, yeah. uh, but Napoli go ahead and win that one nil. A penalty for Victor Alciman. Um, who now is uh, what's his total now for Capo Cananieri? Many goals. I don't know. Uh, twenty. I want to say twenty-three. Thanks. Many goals. Yeah, I want to say twenty-three. Is that right? Yeah, twenty-three is correct. Okay. There it is. So he adds to his tally. Probably, I'd say he finishes with four games left. We'll see how much he plays. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a goal a game. Let's give him twenty-seven to finish the season. So. Okay. Uh, let's project him for that. And then finally, uh, it was Sassuolo and Bologna, another game that could have been played in a parking lot and no one would have cared. Um, Domenico Berardi in the 15th minute, canceled out by Nicolas Dominguez in the 42nd. Yeah. That's, that's all the time we need to devote to those games, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Did you have a top okay. five? I have a one, Teo Hernandez. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's uh, I think over <laughs> overwhelmingly hands down number one pick for the for the week, possibly the year too. Uh, I go honorable mention Ealing Jr. for Juventus. I thought he had a great performance and great great play on that goal that he ended up scoring. 
Uh, number five for me, Caprari's team goal. I thought that was a wonderful this team goal in general by Monza. Uh, Monza. Yeah, Monza. Um, wonderfully done there. Number four, Tedeciano's penalty kick save on Osimhen before the, the second penalty. So that was the second yeah. penalty in the game. Uh, number three, I'm going with Ben Acer, going with the homer, homer pick there. Nice volley. Nice play to intercept the ball. Giroud, nice pass to him, and he got the volley. Number two, Cyril Ngonji, uh, his winner, wonderful goal from, from distance. And the number yeah. one, obviously, Teo Hernandez, solo goal. I mean, they, someone put a video of last year's goal against Atalanta versus this one. It was like almost identical run. Um, I think last year was a little bit better, but still, it was a fantastic goal. <laughs> I'll just go with your top five. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it when we agree. I saw all of them. I thought they were all very good goals. Um, yeah. But when you have one that just stands out over all the other ones, it's just kind of – It's like, why play more, know, right? Yeah. Why, why, why throw in anymore? So. Yeah. Okay. So we have uh, gone through the City A table. Let's once again uh, talk about Milan and Inter. First leg, Milan is the home team tomorrow. Inter is the home team for the second leg uh next tuesday so uh for those that have not uh caught the podcast with you and anthony maybe uh share some cliff notes of uh what you guys discussed real quick and then i'll give my take of what i think the game's gonna be uh the cliff notes basically are that you know both teams are coming in fantastic form in europe um both teams are playing very well defensively inter has a little bit better of a a goal scoring streak in, in in Champions League at the moment. Um, both managers are we call cup merchants, uh, guys who just do very well in the cup games. They 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 play. They know how to play in these kind of style games. New new avenue for both of them, right? Semifinals of the Champions League. That's a big much to do for these guys. Now these guys have been that level before. Uh, we we kind of feel that this game is going to be very conservative. Uh, both managers, both teams. Don't want to make the big mistake, and so the first leg is going to be very much feeling out. If you get a goal in this first leg, that'd be very surprising. Uh, I think it's going to be defensive work by both teams. Um, who's going to let the other team have the ball? Both teams like to play counterattacking style football at the moment. You would imagine Milan probably have more of the ball, but who knows? Uh, but it's going to be a tight game. No one's going to make many mistakes, I think. Uh, maybe some yellow cards. Uh, but we predict a, a draw this first. Well, I think both of us picked a, predicted a draw this first game. Um, I think we both went 0-0, I think. So, okay. um, yeah. Um, here, here, here's, here, here are a few thoughts that I have here. First of all, if people are looking this to, for this to be an advert for City A, don't. Um, no, no. Watch City A games because <clears throat> this is a completely different set of circumstances. I think. Watch for the Tifos. The Tifos are going to be me- fantastic. Most oh, games. they're going to be at the top of their game tomorrow, Most and games. I'd be disappointed if they're not. Yeah. Um. Today's game with Real Madrid and Manchester City was an extremely high level of football. I thought it was an extremely well played game between both teams. Um. And and, and Michael Lisi will appreciate me saying this because I agree with what he had to say on Twitter. So it was also extremely well officiated. There are a lot of moments where a lot more inexperienced referees would have pulled out a lot more cards. This guy governed the game beautifully and didn't let it be about him. Um, but then at the same time, I thought, you know, two teams that played each other at a very high level. I think you're going to see a very high level of football tomorrow, too. I think you're going to see a different different approach. Um you know, I think you're going to see two teams playing to avoid the mistakes. I think you're going to see two managers that are going to approach this as if this is a 180-minute match. It's not a 90-minute match. Correct. Um, and they're going to play accordingly. I think um, I think you'll see risks getting taken here and there. And I think that 
I expect Inter to be the team that maybe takes a couple more risks early. Yeah. Uh, to try to take some shots at a Milan that probably will not have Rafael Leao in their starting lineup. Okay. I think we project him as a sub. Yeah. I'm looking at SofaScore. SofaScore projects him as a sub. SofaScore is projecting Brian Diaz actually to play in Rafael Leao's spot with Salamakers on the right, not, not Rebic. Um, so we'll see what Pioli ends up deciding to do. He has Benacera in kind of that false 10 role uh, with Tonali and Krunic behind him. So if Milan take an advantage into the second leg, it's because Sandro Tonali bossed the midfield. Yep. Okay. Um, that's that's where I think that Milan have to get the foothold. They ha- they have to get midfield superiority. Somebody said in the chat, the better midfield might win this game and take a lead to the second leg. Yeah. Um, if for Milan to have a chance to do that, Sandro Tonali has to dictate things. Things have to go through him. Um, whether he's you know playing in Teo Hernandez wide, whether he's finding Giroud in some spaces, or whether he just gets dangerous on corner kicks and on set pieces, um, you know this has for Milan to win. This has to be a big Sandro Tonali game. Um, Olivier Giroud has to be elite in his hold up play. I say this about every derby with Olivier Giroud in it. He has to be absolutely elite in his hold up play because Francesco Aseri has been brilliant. Yes. at defending center forwards in this competition. Um, uh, Gonzalo Ramos in the quarterfinals, Medi Taremi in the last 16. You know, he has had to confront uh, – the combination of defenders have had to confront Lewandowski in the group stage. So they're not going to be particularly scared of seeing Giroud. So Giroud is going to have to come up with something exceptional. Um if those things happen, then I can give Milan a, a lead going into the second leg with this being their home game. So uh, for those of you that have not watched Milan derbies in the past, uh, in, in recent history, you're going to love if Dumfries starts for Inter oh. and the game within the game between Dumfries and Teo. Those two, I swear, I totally believe this. They hate each other. Yeah. Um. They hate each other, and they're going to go at each other like crazy. That's going to be a fun game within a game. So, yep. but I see the Tonali dictating things through the midfield as much as he possibly can. I see Inter having more of the ball, Pioli being patient, trying not to concede anything, and if he's fit enough, Leal comes on, okay, to try to help change the game, okay, or. If Milan can get an advantage, okay, and by advantage I mean one nil lead, and I think even if a game gets to if, if it's one one by around the seventieth minute, Leo never gets in. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think anything where it's level or Milan have an advantage, Leo is not going to play in this game tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Down but a goal, if, you probably see him. Down a goal, he may take his chances. So, um, but. It'll be a spectacle. Uh, I think the city of Milan are gonna, is going to show out tomorrow, and they, they will ultimately be the biggest winner. And I'm going to be a homer. I think Milan are going to get an odd goal in this game, and they're going to beat Inter one nil. So they're going to be they're going to take a one nil lead. They're going to take a one nil lead to the San Siro. Italy or not Italy? Milan have the best goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the one. You know, and, and Inter have Chalinolu, they have Barella, 
but this is the Standard Tonali steps up and becomes a man game. And that's how Milan take a 1-0 lead to the second leg. Maybe it's the Catalare winner. Who knows? <laughs> Go into legend. Um, yeah, no, I think I think I think both Anthony and I predicted one one in our preview pod. Um, I should say Brozovic too to Eduardo's point. Brozovic is a Milan killer. By he's the way. a Milan killer, as is Joaquin Correa. Uh, well, yep. he wasn't a pass, um, but I, I I do think it's an odd goal coming out from somewhere. You, I would not be surprised to see a Salamakers or a Messias goal or a Krunic goal for Milan. But I, I, yeah, one one I think is a draw, and going into the second leg, it's bold. Used to predicting Milan to win. Um, and going to the second leg, yeah, it's going to be all to play for. It's going to be entertaining. Uh, like I said, hopefully, um, hopefully CBS Sports Colossal shows the game from the, the warm-ups because you want to see the TIFOs in full effect, both games. Uh, and then when they show the replay, for heaven's sake, please show the pregame and show the, the Champions yeah. League stuff because you need to see the TIFOs. I mean, that you can't I have Darby without the TIFOs. Yeah. And I think I, I will I will reinforce my prediction because and if I just look at this competition – and I look at the knockout stages as a whole. Okay. Inter deserved to be to the semifinals, but yeah. they were really lucky to escape Porto without conceding. Um, Porto had a boatload of chances all over the, you know, all over the pitch in the second leg. And Inter were able to find a way to find a way to defuse it. Um Benfica, the three three game in the second leg you know, gives me com- some concern. I don't think Inter never were really uncomfortable at any point in that second leg, yeah. but that's enough to say mm, there's some cracks, okay, where I think that Milan are comfortable getting this into a rock fight now because they've been playing that way a lot against big teams over the last over the last several weeks. Um and I think I think Inter had the slight advantage because their goal scoring has been much better than Milan's as of late, and so that's why that's why I have I think it's a tight tight affair. But I think the the slight advantage has to go to Inter solely on the on the goal scoring potential. Not that Milan can't score; they did score four against Napoli. But um, in in Champions League, it seems like Inter played they just played at another extra level. They played mm-hmm. well defensively, but they have the offensive spark as well that Milan's been yeah. lacking. So we'll see. It's going to be fantastic for football. How Milan deal with the two striker attack of Inter because they don't see it a lot. I mean, they really only see it when they play Inter. Yeah, is also gonna is also gonna decide some things. Yeah. So, um, uh, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a spectacle. Um, I mean, it's and it's it, it, everybody's comments is gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be physical. It's gonna be nasty. So, um, it's gonna be you got one one. I'm gonna go one to, one nil to Milan. They win the first leg, and then we'll see what happens in leg two. So. Yeah. I'll um, ask. I'll ask you a fun question that uh, Anthony and I we we answered on the on the last pod. Who do you see getting a yellow card in this first leg? Oof. Teo Hernandez. Yeah, that's like one of the first names I said too. <laughs> um. Teo Hernandez. Uh, I don't think Davide Calabria will be as trouble dealing with Fede DeMarco. I think that he's no. probably – I think that Salamakers will deal with him, and I think that Calabria you could see probably being inside more, helping the center backs with the two up front to try to create the numbers there. I think they can go ahead and take their chances there because Fede's not going to really beat you in 1v1 situations. He li- he likes to cross early. It's not often you're going to see him take a ball in line and, and cross. Now, when Gozens comes on that – 
if and when Gozins comes on, that'll change the dynamic there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I think that um, I, I see a lot of that. So I don't see Calabria getting himself into a lot of trouble here. I could see... I could see a I could see a Barella yellow card, just because out of he can tend to be late on his challenges. Tamori too is one I think I'd worry about. Yep, you know, just gonna Kernich. be. Tamori is going to get very handsy with Lukaku. Yeah. Um, uh, is another one. So Dumfries, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I Teo Dumfries probably the two first ones I would think of, and then I think you would look at. I don't think the back three are going to for Inter are going to find themselves in a situation where they're going to get in the book, nope. um, especially if Leo's not playing. Yeah, you're more likely so. to see Tamori and uh, Kiar, possibly even three of the three out of the four back four from Milan will probably get a yellow more than the Inter back three will get a yellow. Yep, just how they play. Yep. All right, boy, can't wait for tomorrow. That'll be so yeah. fun. Yeah. So, my dentist appointment happens to be at two thirty-two. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well. Get out of it, you know. Get out of it, yeah, right? Oh well, yeah, I'll watch it while I'm there on my phone. Tell him to make it quick. Just tell him pull the tooth, and we'll be friends. And let's go. Yeah, that's right. Off you go. So, <laughs> all right. Real, uh, let's. You know, there's other Serie A teams in European competition still, so we should probably talk about them too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, both Serie A teams in the year, all of them are at home on Thursday, actually, which is interesting. Um, Juventus hosting Sevilla in the Europa League semifinal, the other semifinal with Roma hosting Bayer Leverkusen. So let me start with, let me start with Juve. This is low hanging fruit to be saying this, but they have to take a lead to Sevilla. Um, Sevilla are good at home and historically are good at home in Europe. Um, and Juve have not been a very good away team in any competition this season. Um, winning 2-0 at Atalanta doesn't necessarily make me feel better about them. Um, so they gutted out a 1-1 draw at Sporting, which maybe kind of showed some signs of improvement in terms of away form in big games. But they've got to come out of they've got to come they've got to get this to uh, the Sanchez Pichuan with an advantage yeah. if they're going to get to the final. I agree. This is going to be other two games. This is the more dis- most difficult test for an Italian team. Sevilla are the, the kings of Europa League as Real Madrid are of Champions League. Um, and they're going to have to play a flawless game. I think the stars have to come out. Di Maria is going to have to be the one who's going to have to be the catalyst for the offense. Um, defensively, they're going to have to be stout Midfield is going to have to play above their the expectations. It's going to be a difficult game. That said, I think Allegri is one of the, the masterminds in, in, in Europe in terms of how he dictates these kind of games. He is also a cup manager, knows how to play these kind of games, and he's going to tinker enough where he's going to be able to not completely shut down Sevilla, but do enough where maybe they can get a result going. And I, they need a, I agree with you. They need a result going to Sevilla. I'm going to be bold in this one and say, I'm going to say Juve win two to one at home. Okay. So you're going to give Sevilla a goal. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go two nil to Juve. Okay. Um, again, I, Sevilla does have the win over Athletic Club to hang their hat on. They did come from behind to draw Manchester United. 
Um, yeah. You know, but looking at some of these other way matches, you go back a, a few weeks ago losing at Katafe, but then they 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 the the away form for them has been good lately, but it's been deceiving because it's been against more bottom half teams in Spain. Um, but they've got to take a they've got a two nil lead. I think they can go to Spain very comfortably and get what they need to get to the final. And I think they can do that here. I think that, you know, Sevilla's had a run of some games here where they haven't, you know, seen a team. And let's face it, this is still, this is a pretty good, this is still a good Juve team. Oh, yeah. Um, they haven't seen, aside from Manchester United, they really haven't seen, they, they, they lately haven't seen an opponent that's at Juventus's level. Sure. Okay. Except for Man United. All right, and I think that um, Man United kind of beat themselves uh, in a way. But. You got you to mention that the aura of Sevilla in the Europa League plays a part in it mentally. I think you're going to say this team is freaking one. How many freaking Europa League titles? Their team we have to worry about. And I think that will be in the back of their minds. Maybe not so much Allegri, but the, the players, I think. And that's where you can have lapses in judgment at, at times and, and try to be too perfect, and then you cause a turnover and – Boom! There you go, wide open chance against Chesney. But you don't have to beat you don't have to beat the shirt. Nope. You have to beat the men that are wearing it. That's what Allegri should tell them. Yep, yep. You don't have to beat the mystique of Sevilla. You just have to beat the men that are going to be on the pitch. Right. So, Roma and Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Leverkusen just they come off a, a stinker against Köln um, yeah. at the weekend. They struggled. They they couldn't get goals at Union Berlin. Um, if if Leverkusen find Union Berlin challenging to score on, they're going to find Roma challenging to score on. Is kind of the opinion that I have here. Um, but plenty of talent on this Leverkusen side. I I'm a big fan of Musa Diaby. Yeah, um, I think uh, Florian Wirtz is like the next German technician. Uh, you know, for, for future German national teams, I like both of those players a lot. Um, They've got good wingbacks in uh, Frimpong uh, and in and Bakker. Um, and then they've got some talent. They've got some talent all over the pitch. Uh, Oddly has been coming on for them uh, in the attack. So it th- th- there's going to be some things that they're going to be able to throw at Roma. But ultimately, I, I just they're kind of hitting the skids maybe just a little bit at a bad time. Um, and a Roma team that might just be singularly focused on this competition. I, I, you know, I'm probably showing a lot of Italian bias here in these predict- predictions, but try to convince me otherwise. I think Roma win uh, the first leg, um, but I think they win 2-1. I think Leverkusen find their way to a goal because there's just too much quality up front for them not to. Yeah, I, I like that scoreline. I think Xavi Alonso has done marvelous things with Leverkusen, completely turned their season around from being a bottom table team to fighting for a European spot, and obviously in the semifinals of the Europa League. Um, he's going to have this team ready. He he is obviously a world-class midfielder. He's been in the biggest games that there are, uh, so he'll have his team ready with the right mentality. But again, this is a Jose Mourinho team, a team that has experience in, in a cup, a team that won a European title last season. They're not going to be afraid of that, and I think um, they're going to be ready to play. I, I like the, the scoreline of 2-1. to one. Um it's going to be hard to not keep Leverkusen out, but I think Roma are good enough that they're going to score a couple goals themselves. Um, defensively, they've been playing really well in Europa League. Uh, the attack is there when they need it. Al Sharawi's come up big at times when they needed them. 
Uh, obviously, you got Tammy Abraham and, and Paulo Dybala, who's the catalyst there. But um, will he be fit? That's the, I think that's the main key. The main key for me is like if Dybala can stay healthy through both legs, Roma is going to progress. Now, if he's unavailable or injured or can't be a big contributor to this team, that's where it gets a little dicey. Uh, Roma, I still think, have the advantage, but um, overall, it's going to be hard to beat a Jose Mourinho team at this stage of a competition with a team that knows has already been there with him last year and they, they know how to win. Um, they have that spine we talked about earlier, right? They yep. have that European spine. They know they don't get fr- frazzled these kind of moments at the, at, at right now we see. So, yeah, Roma two win, two to one victory. Okay, uh, two ones, two one is where we both go. So then, finally, the uh, Conference League: Fiorentina playing host to Basel. If you are not familiar with this Basel team this season, uh, I'll give you a background and I'll kind of give you something on. Uh, the three players that you probably have to concern yourself with. First of all, up front, Zeki Amduni, um, who's a pretty frequent goal scorer for them. He's got eight goals just in 28 uh, played uh, in the Swiss Super League. Um, but behind him, very talented midfield uh, playmaker in Darian Malice, um, who has got four goals and uh, six assists. Uh, Amduni, in fact, has uh, six goals in nine conference league games too. So pretty strong scoring record. Uh, So a guy that can definitely be a threat and uh, a familiar name to us, Ricardo Calafiori uh, on loan from Roma playing over there, Um, uh, you know, playing on the wing back. So some, some decent players. Basel has been a bit of a fixture in European competitions over the years. They have found their way to last 16s of the Champions League, but we're not playing past Basel teams. And I think that you have a Fiorentina that is focused on this competition, focused on winning Coppa Italia, seeing if they can pull off a cup double this season, which they can, uh, which they're capable of. It's at the Artemio Franchi. It is Fiorentina's biggest game in quite some time. In my opinion, yeah. uh, you know, kind of until they get to until the Copa Italia takes place, um, and I think they're going to treat it accordingly. Um, you know, I think that um, eleven against eleven, Fiorentina is just more talented. Um, yeah. I'm going to go three one in the first leg for La Viola. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a great shot. I was leaning toward the same thing. I think the talent is. Superior is a strong word, but I, I wouldn't say they're they are superior. I, I think also with Vicenza Italiano, he's proven himself. We we mentioned Pioli, we mentioned Inzaghi, we mentioned uh, Allegri. They're all cup managers. Vicenzo Italiano is a cup manager. He's shown it with Fiorentina this season, uh, not only in Coppa Italia, but also in, uh, in the Conference League as well. He's figured it out. And our Fiorentina's arguably played their best ball when... They've been in the knockout stages of the conference league, and all of a sudden they figure out how to play play both in, in all the leagues that they play. And um, I think they're going to be be able to play. They seem to play with less of a chip uh, a chip on their shoulder and less stress. The stress of Serie A with all those the parity of the teams, the big teams that there's a lot of them in Serie A, and they seem to play with a, like a, a carefree style in in conference league. And it's shown with all the goals that they're scoring. They're scoring for fun. Yeah, uh, I would not. Be, I think I think Fiorentina going to score three goals. I really do. Um, and I might just give Basel one, like you said, just because. They, they, why not? They, the team that have 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 gotten some results. Um, they got some good players on their team, and it's very it's very possible. So I, I say three one. I like Fiorentina's shot there, and I think um, they have a 
very good chance to make it to the finals against would be a, a very good opponent either way. For sure. For sure. So that is our European roundup. Uh, give you all four games to look forward to here over the next couple of days. Uh, so we've gotten through all the Calcio. Now let's uh, have a little fun with it and get ready for the world's most popular hashtag game. It's time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. Richard, lead it off. Yeah, I'm going to lead it off, uh, especially on this first one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our friend Saturnion comes up with uh, Milan played today, but all three Belgian blowjar brothers are predicted to start an attack. Of course, he's talking about uh, De Catalare, Origi, and Salamakers. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, saw Marcus score, but then the goal got taken away. So, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, at uh, this was nominated by at Beto Acevedo. It is at Huyuan eighty one. I think Beppe just came. God. Okay, Calcio Twitter. Come on. Oh we're, come we're, on. Belgian blowjob and come on. I already started off with the wrong foot. Okay, uh, this one comes from Nemaser. The whole Milan team trying to get the Catalare to score a goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like it. Yeah. That's more like it. Any misses like anyway. <laughs> All right. That's the leader in the clubhouse. Now moving on to our friends at Men and Blazers uh, on the Calcio Twitter. Napoli fans saving pieces of Udinese turf on which they won the title. Football is sports so powerful it will cause grown adults to dig up pieces of turf and save them in bags. <laughs> Oh, all right. Uh, moving on. Massantangelo says, Romagnoli walking into the Milan locker room at full time after doing his part to help with the top four. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never forget Roy Williams. Oh, Roy Williams. Oh, great video. Okay, Art Vandalay, add Tony Malassi, another Anthony nominee, uh, Insigne oh. arriving to collect the Scudetto winner's medal. <laughs> Hold up, guys. I'm here. I'm here. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, Vatalang says uh, Kier Palulu, and it's uh, Stewart is welcoming Milan Inter here. There's all the other teams. First class. First class. City's there. <laughs> Mr. Peen. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, you watched the full video there, but that's funny there. Uh, all right, we get the uh, we get the gist, right? Yep. That was from. Uh, all right, so that's up there. Okay, so uh, moving on at uh, Uncle Sharma replying to. Uh, Lamachachi by Milan Twitter. Pioli is on fire. It's Milan fans saying how much better their team is, and Napoli <laughs> obviously much better. Casvelia. It's a little. I don't know. I, I'm still on. I, I'm still. I, I, it's it's still necessary for me. I don't know. All right. What do you think? Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's there. It's there. Uh, last one. Last one. It's um. <laughs> Maradona <laughs> talking about Salamakers. <laughs> 
y, y ojo que después, después de Flaco Cruz, no hubo muchos jugadores que lo It's uh, supposedly Maradona talking about uh, Salamakers uh, being as good as Cruyff and, uh, you know, one of the best ever. But uh, obviously yeah. it's nice. Talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. So, uh, All right. Well, we got to pick a winner here. Yeah. I, I think it's still Nemesir for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple. Uh, it's short. You get the point. <laughs> you can't score no matter what they do. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Head of the Derby. Right. You got to give Milan an advantage somehow, right? So here we go. And it would be uh, is that his be- first? Is this his first win? We've had him as a nominee a few times. He might be. I, I don't remember. Maybe this is second. First or second win. I don't know. So. All right. Anyway. So that is on. That is being uh, tweeted right now. So, uh, anything else we need to add to the ad for the people? <laughs> uh, sorry, just reading some of the comments here. Um, well, yeah, first off, I want to say, uh, make sure you follow the couch guys. Uh, thank you to Gianni, uh, for helping out with, uh, Frank's absence last week. So definitely give him a follow, give the couch guys a follow. Those are fantastic guys there. Also, give Interworldwide, Football Worldwide, and our friend Anthony Privetra a follow. Anthony, join me on the uh, the early edition, the Australian edition of um, Serie A Sit Down, where we discuss the Derby for tomorrow. Uh, and so thank you to Anthony once again. Uh, fun chat, a nice hour-long chat about the Derby tomorrow. So if you haven't watched that yet, watch this again if you want, and then go watch that. Uh, definitely got in-depth about the game tomorrow, what to expect. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for my shout-outs, I guess, for right now. Definitely, uh, definitely check out that preview. Give yourself a good primer for the game tomorrow. It was excellent uh, by Richard and Anthony. Uh, so we're going to put a bow on this edition of City uh, Sit Down. You can find us on our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud uh, as well. We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There's City uh, Sit Down. At City uh, Sit Down on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow us there. Uh, drop some comments on questions or... Uh, uh, hashtag who won Calcio Twitter nominees. Those go to Twitter. Please keep them clean. Don't be like the, uh, the first two guys in today's batch. Um, and, uh, and, uh, we'll give it a read. So, um, also, uh, you can find us on Facebook here on the YouTube channel. If you are watching us for the first time and you like the content, please subscribe, please drop a like, hit that notification bell so that you can get a heads up from us when we go back on the air, or if we do a video drop city, your website for all things city, and Calcio, uh, check it out. So, um, you can follow me at FTC underscore 21. You can follow Richard at R underscore K H A R M A N. Please follow us. Uh, we have uh, we have a lot to share, and we certainly uh, like we certainly interact with the uh, uh, fans uh, through the Twitter machine. So at least I do. Um, so uh, and, and I'll even get in a fight with you if I don't like what you have to say. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so that's that, uh, next week's programming to be determined. We're trying to, yeah. uh, sort through some, uh, personal schedules, uh, work related and, uh, medical related and otherwise. So hang tight with us, uh, and we'll, uh, let you know what we come out with next week. Uh, 
but until then, uh, thank you all, everyone in the chat. Thank you guys for taking part. Thank you for your comments and questions. Uh, appreciate you guys as always. And uh, uh, as always, make sure you tell us, tell, or make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.